Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good afternoon, everybody. How are you guys? Yes. I like it. I like it. Um, welcome, everybody, to LifePoint Church, especially if you're a, a guest with us today, uh, whether that's online or here in the room. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. I'm so glad you came out. I know it was raining. I know there was thunderstorms this morning. Many, many of you didn't hear them, but I was awake, and they woke me up even more. Can I get an amen on that? Like It was like slightly awake, and it was, oh, that was loud, really awake. And uh, so glad to be here. Glad you're here. Uh, we're in this series called Anthem of Hope, and what we've been doing for the last three weeks, this is week three of five, is we've been talking about mental health and emotional health and spiritual health and how they kind of all, uh, they all work together. And uh, we've never done a series like this before, but we know just based on all the data that's out there that this is a problem in America more than ever before, that folks are struggling all the way across the board in all sorts of ways. And so we just... We wanted to come and talk about it, and, 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 and let me just say this out, out, of, out of the beginning. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, a psychiatrist, a psychologist. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not even a, a licensed counselor, and I'm not going to pretend to be, and, and those folks, all of those folks are absolutely vital um, to how people get through some of the hardest times of their lives through mental illnesses and, and other terrible things. However, there's another side of that coin, and that's what God's word says, and, and, and I'm a pastor, and so I believe the Bible uh, has much to say about all of these things. And so um, I think also that the church should be on the forefront of the battle that people are fighting and facing all across our country right now, in our city, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, that we should be part of the solution Right, not just point out the problems, but be part of the solution. Amen, somebody. And so I'm talking today as a pastor um, who wants you to be healthy and whole. And that's been my prayer for these last few weeks as we've been preparing for this. Um, today is going to be very, very practical, kind of Bible study-ish in, in terms of, like, I'm just going to read a lot of scriptures and we're going to kind of go through them. But here's my main thought um, of the day. Uh, our lives are defined, are shaped, I could use that word as well, by the thoughts we accept or reject. Right, this is, the Bible will, te will teach us this, but medical science will teach us this as well, that our, our lives are defined, are shaped by the thoughts that we accept or reject. So, so what that means then is that our thoughts control our lives, right? So I want you to think about it like this. Every single action that you ever take first began as a thought, right? If you just blinked your eyes, something, your body said it's time to blink, right? Because I said it now, you've blinked a lot more times, right? You can't, you're like, I can't, my eyes feel so dry all of a sudden, right? It's just, it's part of it. It starts as a thought. You got up this morning, you had a thought. You, you, you set your alarm, it was a thought. Like all of that is, is thought oriented. So if you don't think it, you're probably not gonna do it. Uh, now that's good on one hand, and it's bad on another hand. It's a double-edged sword. If it's a good thought that you had, then you're going to do probably a good thing. If it's a bad thought that you had or a wrong thought, uh, you're probably going to do a wrong or bad, bad thing. So the point, though, is that my thoughts control my life. And so much of our spiritual, emotional, mental health happens right up here. It starts right here. I want to say this, and I want you to latch hold of this. Our mind 
is a battlefield. It's where the battles of life are won and are lost. Our, our mind is a battlefield. Now, here's what I know. And I know this because I've led a lot of people through recovery. Um, for years, I, I, my wife and I led men and women through recovery, 32 weeks. And I saw this. I've seen it in our freedom cl- uh, small groups that we are, life groups that we do. That many of us, the baggage that we're carrying in life, the troubles that we've experienced in life are due in part by words that were said to you or over you as a kid that weren't true. They may have been well-meaning when they said them to you, a teacher, a, a principal, a parent, a, 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 a friend, but they weren't true. And yet, years later, you're still acting and you were shaped by false information. So... This is why when Paul comes along in Romans chapter 12, and I don't have this on the screen for you, but when he says that we are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, it's because somewhere along the way, we've, our minds have been formed incorrectly by, by bad thinking, by wrong thoughts, by words spoken over us, and now we need to be transformed by changing the way we think, by, by renewing our minds, because the battle for sin... The battle for mental health, emotional health, spiritual health starts in the mind. And much of us have been shaped by things that were said over us, to us, and by our wrong thinking. And I want to remind you of the text that we had from last week, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. Here's what it says. Paul says, therefore, he's talking to his son in the gospel, Timothy. Therefore, Timothy, I remind you to stir up. Stir up. Now, I want you to notice this. This is an action, right? There's something that he wants Timothy to do. And as we read through the, the various texts today, you're going to see almost all of them have something that we need to do. Like there's a part that God does, and there's a part that we do. Everybody with me on this? It, we're, we're working in partnership. So he says, I want you to stir up the gift of God, that's the Holy Spirit, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of, say this with me now, of fear, but of and of and of a sound mind. We talked to you about this last week. When you lay hold of the power that is accessible to you as a believer, when you recognize how deep, how wide, how broad is the love of God, that's what Paul says in Ephesians 3, when you recognize that, when he prays it, they'll see it. When you see that, the net result of that is a sound mind, a whole mind, um, a healthy mind, a, a rational mind. And that's Paul's prayer for, for Timothy, and that's God's will for your life. So that if, if right now, listen now, if right now you are weighed down, you are burdened, you are heavy, there's a heaviness in your heart, in your mind. If you are anxious, if you are depressed, if you are fearful, if you are living in worry, this is not God's will for your life. Can you have fear come up in your life? Normal, right? Can you have some worry happen? Yes. But if this is who you are, if this is your story, that's not God's will. This is God's will, right? Back it up just a second. This is God's will. That you have power, love, and a sound mind. Just hang there for a minute. So our lives, are, our minds are a battlefield. So how do we fight this battle. I want to tell, I could have chosen many scriptures. I want to give you this one. This is from 2 Corinthians. 
Paul is talking about how we do this battle that we're in. He says, for though we live in the world, meaning this is the reality, what we see, what we feel, what we touch, that's a reality. But overlapping is another reality. It's a spiritual realm. But he says, for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, meaning that the things that you can sort of see, the things that you sort of know, the things that you sort of lay hold of are not necessarily the things that are going to help you win the battle of the mind. Because he goes on and says, on the contrary, meaning it's actually the opposite, they, they he's referring back to the weapons, they have, say this with me, they have divine power to what? Demolish, that, that's a strong word, can I get an amen, right? It's a strong word. Demolish strongholds. Now look at the next verse. We, again, here's the word, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up. Now I want you to know what he means. He, other translations say lofty thoughts. Now I want to tell you this. Students, we want you to go to school, man. Like I want my kids to go to college. I want to go to university, whatever what God wants them to do because I think it's an incredible thing to do. Not everybody needs to, not everybody's gonna have to, but, but if you can, if you want to, you should. But what I want you to know is sometimes you're gonna run into some professors and they're gonna be smart and they're gonna tell you some lofty things, but when they tell you things that are opposed to the knowledge of God, you gotta demolish that in your heart and your mind. Not everything that the smartest people tell you is necessarily, come on, it's not necessarily true. You gotta know that or you'll get, you'll get owned, right? You, you got to know. So when Paul says, listen, I don't care how lofty, how pretentious it sounds, if it sets itself up against the knowledge of God, you, you demolish it. And then we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want you to notice the explicit action and effort that is layered in this text that we've been reading. It's not about earning. This is not a salvation text. Like we've, we don't earn our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians says, right? We know that. But once we've been made in right standing with God, then we work out our salvation. That's what the Bible teaches. We work it out, meaning we're not earning it. We're just participating in the outworking of it, meaning, meaning that, that, that there is always going to be a partnership with God in your growth, right? You don't just grow because you were saved. You got you to gotta work it. Can I get a name? You gotta get in that word. You gotta, you gotta get on your knees. You gotta, you gotta show up, right? There's a partnership. But there's not only a partnership in your growth, there's a partnership with God in your spiritual, emotional, and mental health. There is a partnership with God. We're gonna see that here. So the Bible says that our number one job in this battle that we're talking about is to demolish strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? I could give you a lot of things that it is, but fundamentally, it's a stronghold. It is a lie that I believe. It's a, it's, it might be a half truth, it might be partial truth, but it's not the full truth. And if I believe it long enough, it becomes a fortress or a fortified place in my mind. And, and so I will think, I can't change this. This is just the way I am. I'll never be this or I'll always be this. And, and a lot of times, not always, a lot of times the enemy uh, has helped me build this stronghold. Like it was his design, his trick he planted a seed in my mind by something I heard, by something I read, by something somebody said to me, and, and unwittingly, unknowingly, I've helped him grow this thing based on a lie in my life. My life. And a lie, hear this, a lie believed as a truth will affect you as though it's true. So a lot of you heard things when you were kids 
That kid's dumb. That kid's lazy. That kid's no good. That kid will never amount to something. All of those things were lies. But if you believed it, then you've been behaving your entire life as though what was said over you is true. And that's a stronghold. And you got to demolish that. You got to tear that down. Because ultimately, it's about tr- the battle is about truth and lies. You hear me? It's about truth and lies. Are we going to believe what is true? Or are we going to believe what if? Well, what if that's not? What if that? What if that? We're going to believe what is or what if? And it's about truth and lies. And so he says we tear down strongholds. Now, a stronghold can show up in all kinds of ways. But I, I want to give you two categories that can tend to show up. And number one is a kind of a global category, meaning it's a worldview. So if there is a worldview, like, like if you said, Danny, what's your worldview? I say, well, I, I look at life, I look at the world through a biblical worldview. Like, like I don't see everything and go, oh, what is CNN or Fox or whom? I don't, that's not how I roll. I want to say, what does God's word say about this or that? So not everybody, does, not every Christian does that, but that's how I try to live my life. So that's my worldview. But there are other worldviews that are sort of not biblical in nature. It could be things like materialism. Does our country have an issue with materialism? Yes or no? Like we think everything, you got to have the best, this, that, the other. And so we, we make and by the way, these are things that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. Like they compete with God, the knowledge of God. Materialism is an idol, right? It could be hedonism in our culture. Like it's like pleasure at any cost, no matter what. Let's, let's retire and travel the world and post everything on social media. Hedonism, right? Could be Darwinism, secularism, relativism, communism, atheism, ism-ism. I don't even know anymore. There's a lot of isms, Right? Right? But if it sets itself up as a, a counterfeit kind of God or a counterfeit belief system, it's a stronghold that has to be demolished. So that's number one. Th- then there's a sort of granular level. There's the global worldview. Granularly, it would be a personal attitude. So, so like uh, worry can become a stronghold for you. Will you worry sometimes? Yes. Does that make it a stronghold? No. But if you would say, I'm a chronic worrier, stronghold. Because when you're a chronic worrier that says, I don't necessarily trust God enough, so I'm going to worry about it, thinking that somehow my worrying about it will affect it on some level, it won't. So worry can be a strong. Seeking the approval of other people rather than what does God say about me, stronghold, right? Anything that you idolize or you make an idol of, and, and when I say idol, you're like, I don't have an idol. I don't pray to something on the wall. Right, right. No, no, no. That's not what an idol is. Like, that's obvious. That's easy. But idolism can be money. It can be your physical body. You can make an idol of that. It could be a woman, a girl, a boy. It could be, could be an idol, right? So, so but here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the part of it that doesn't seem real, but it is fear can be a stronghold. Anxiety, guilt, resentment, insecurity, self-esteem issues, all of these can be strongholds in your mind. And the Bible says that we are to tear them down. And here's the truth. If we don't tear them down, they can begin to tear us down. So, so what happens is, if I have a stronghold of worry or fear or insecurity, those become, listen now, they become weights. They create 
a weight that I have to carry around through life that becomes exhausting, not just to you, but it becomes exhausting to the people that love you, right? And, and, they, and they, have the, they have an erosive quality to them in that the longer that you accept these lies, accept these, these strongholds, these falsehoods, the longer that you accept them, they begin to erode your trust in God, in people. Like some of you don't trust anybody because of a stronghold that's happening. Somebody hurt you back in the day and you set up a stronghold there and you set it up to protect yourself and instead it's not protecting you. It's eroding your trust in God in people. It erodes your confidence. It can erode your self-worth and, and they, be, they become baggage. They start out as a thing, an event that happened to us. We lock it in, we load it up, we recycle it over, go. they become baggage that gets in the way of what we wanna do and ultimately, more importantly, what God wants to do with our lives. And honestly, some of us have been carrying around this baggage our whole lives. Anxious, afraid, worried, insecure, angry, strongholds. And some of us are exhausted at a soul level. And we don't know that we can carry on. And this is why... We're talking about this today. We cannot afford to be passive. That's why I pointed out to you, Timothy, stir it up, right? Demolish, take captive, that you can't afford to be passive. And by the way, I, I, I read this. The fact that you're here today, the fact that you're watching online, whether it's today or another day down the week, proves that you're not passive. I, I heard this, this data point uh, uh, earlier this week. I heard it back in December I kind of forgot about it, but Gallup, which is a secular uh, polling company, they try to figure out the thoughts and the intents, the, how things are going. They, they, were, they were taking the, the, the sort of mental health check of, of Americans from 2019 through the end of 2020, how they were in 2019, how they were in 2020. And then, listen to me now, every single category whether that was you're a Democrat, a, a Republican, you're an independent, whether you're married or you're not married, whether you're, whether you're whatever, whatever your gender is, like whatever your socioeconomic background is, like whatever your career is, whatever your race is, all those categories, every single one of them had a decline. A lot of times double digit percentages of, of they would say their emotional mental health had declined in 2020. All of them except one, except one. One category out of all of the categories that they were listed, one actually got better in their mental health. And do you know what it was? It was people who weekly attended their religious worship service. So like, you're like, of course you would say that, Danny. It's like self-serving a little bit. It is, it's a little self-serving, I'm not gonna lie. But it's a fact that people who weekly, because they had a category for monthly and seldom and never, and all those people declined, the ones that showed up weekly, their mental health got better. I'm just putting it out there, moving right along, moving right along. <laughs> we have to do our part in maintaining a healthy mind. So the question is, how do I make my mind Mind. It's corny. I'm sorry. It's just bad. Right. I, I know. Right. Like, like here, here's the truth. I don't know about you. Probably you don't struggle with this as bad as I do, but I've noticed that my mind doesn't always mind. Like, in fact, what I want to do, I do something else. Right. Go read Romans chapter seven and you'll hear Paul said, like, whatever it is that I'm supposed to do, I do the opposite. Whatever I, the good I want to do, I do the other thing. Like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I relate to that really well. <laughs> 
Like, 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 hey, mind, let's not eat these Krispy Kreme donuts. Two donuts later, I'm like, oh, well, let's go for it. <laughs> Come on. There's a reason I look like this. It's just good genetics. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, when, when I want to think a certain way, my mind wants to go another way. When I, when I want to ponder, my mind, my mind starts to wander. Now I'm, I'm just rapping. I'm, I'm rapping up here now. When I need to pray, my, my thoughts float away. Come on. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. There's no more. That's terrible. Terrible. Seriously, though, the reason that we have so many ineffective believers is because we don't know how to fight the battle of the mind. We get, we get tossed around. We get wishy-washy. Our beliefs change and move. We're double-minded. We can't make up our mind about things. And this is why. So, so let's go down that road. Four things for controlling your mind. Number one, you better recognize. You know what I'm saying? You better, you gotta recognize wrong, wrong thoughts. That's just obvious, right? Like if you don't recognize the wrong thoughts when you're having them, you'll just let them roll wherever they go. And that's what we do. We just, oh, okay, well, let's just take that down and go down that road. Like I don't know about you, but truth is, is I find it a lot easier to spot your flaws than I do my own. Can I get a witness somebody? It's like, yeah, I can, dude, that's, you're thinking wrong. Oh yeah, well, what about you? Oh, not me, of course not me. Like, right, like I can see your speck, but not my beam, you're right? You ever read that verse in Matthew, right? You got a beam, hey, you got a speck. Well, no, you got a beam sticking out of your eye, bro. Like I can't see the beam, but I can see your speck. It, okay, that's just me apparently. Nobody else can, like, because negative thoughts, when they come into my mind, they don't announce themselves like, here's a negative thought. You know, like it's like, here's Johnny, welcome. Only old people get that one. <laughs> All the kids are like, who's Johnny? Johnny Carson, anybody? Anyways, anyway. Like, like I can just believe the way I think is reasonable and rational, right? Because well, I thought it. I don't even question whether, whether my thinking is right or wrong. But here's the thing about these thoughts, these negative thoughts, these lies can come in the voice of your own self-talk. Like, of course I'm going to believe what I believe. And so it comes in my own, it sounds like me talking. They come in through the opinions of other people. They come through the reflections that we have when we start thinking about our past and our struggles that we've had in the past. And they're often, here's the bad part, they're often partially true, these lies. And the enemy will do his best to bring up your past in a way of bringing down your present and your future. So, so like, like he'll say to you, you're not good enough to be doing what God called you to do. I know what you did. You know what you did. And you know what you did, right? You, you've made too many mistakes. You, you've messed up. What, what makes you think you could ever recover from what you did? Like what makes you think you can ever have a good relationship? You've just had one bad relationship after another. You'll never have a good one. You are who you are. You can't change. This is just the way you are. It's stuff like that. I heard Louis Giglia, whom I admire deeply around here, he said this morning, he said, the enemy trying to bring up your past is like somebody robbing your old house. You don't even live there anymore. That's not even your stuff. Come on, somebody. Like, when I become a new creation in Christ, the old is gone. It's past. And so when the enemy goes digging in the trash for my stuff, I'm like, I don't even know whose trash that is because that stuff's been covered by the blood of Jesus. It's been forgiven. It's been wiped away. It's not my stuff. But, but the stuff can start to feel normal to us the longer that we, and, and science, medical science will tell you this, the longer you think about it, the more normalized it becomes. And we miss out on the fact that there is a war being waged in our mind and an enemy has invaded our thinking. So the issue then is how do I recognize my blind spots? 
Well, this is why we talk about the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because Jesus says, uh, it's in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says that when the Spirit of truth comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, notice it's not just the Spirit, it's the Spirit of truth, he will guide you in all truth. So God doesn't say, hey, good luck with that. I hope you figure it out. No, no, no. He'll guide you into truth. So, so like David at one point is praying, and here's what he says in Psalm 139. He says, because you can't see your own blind spots. You can't see, you can't recognize when it's wrong. So he says, God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my, say it with me, say, my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way that King James says, any wicked way in me and lead me. This is what the Spirit does. He leads, he guides. Lead me in the way everlasting. So, so I need an outside opinion. And sometimes that'll be God, but sometimes that'll be the wisdom of friends who you've invited to speak into your life. So you say, listen, man, do you see anything that I'm missing? Do you see anything that, that's just obvious to you, but apparently isn't obvious to me because I keep doing it. And, and so God will use people in your life. This is why we do groups, y'all. This is why we do it. So somebody can go, hey, bro, what are you doing? You see what I'm saying? So, but, but here's what usually happens. Instead of doing that, we just keep our struggles and our pain and our, and our, and our anguish to ourselves. And this is exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Rick McKinley said that isolation, which we've all been guilty of over the last year, isolation is the garden of the devil. See, sometimes God will call you to solitude, which is a time you set away to get alone with God. That's not the same thing as isolation. Isolation is, well, nobody knows me. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Nobody cares about me. So I'm just gonna back up and go off into the hole. That's the garden of the devil because it's the fertile soil where the enemy can sow seeds and weeds into your life that disrupt and destroy your thinking, your mind, and wear you down and erode your confidence. So we don't talk because we don't want to lose face. We don't want to lose status. We don't want somebody to find out at work that I'm struggling with my health right now, my mental health. So we don't tell anybody because we don't want to lose that promotion or we don't want to lose that job. We don't tell anybody. And we're just playing into the enemy's hands. And nobody knows the struggle that I'm having. Nobody knows the pain that I'm feel, feeling. Nobody knows the fact that I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I should even live anymore. Come on, if that's you, please. Please tell somebody. Do not play into the enemy's hands who's telling you it's too late. You're not good enough. You're not worth enough. Life isn't worth living. That's a lie. That's a stronghold. Demolish it in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. The, the psalmist says in Psalm 32, when I kept silent, back it up just a second, when I kept silent, my bones grew old. This is figurative now. My bones grew old through, through my groaning all day long. He said, when I didn't tell anybody, when I didn't say to God what was going on in my heart, when I didn't tell anybody else, it was a mental torment. And that's true. Here's another thing that I want to give you. You need to stop and think about what you're thinking about. Right. You ever done that? Like, see, here's the thing. I'll be just driving in the car, just thinking about whatever comes into mind, whatever comes into mind. Never, rarely ever do I go, should I be thinking about this? So, so 
Sounds silly, but this might be the big takeaway. Do you ever stop to think about why am I dwelling on this fearful thing? Why am I recycling? Why am I playing what happened yesterday over and over in my mind? Why am I having this inner argument with this person who offended me and now I'm, I'm having a fight with them? They're not even there. Come on, y'all. I'm not the only one that has arguments with people in my own head. Come on, I, I can't be the only person. Right? Thank you. Three honest people in the house today. Right? Look at the effect that your internal dialogue is having on you. It may be limiting your life. Limiting beliefs have serious power in your life. So recognize wrong thoughts. Number two, much faster, I promise. Capture and then reject wrong thoughts. So what's the wrong thought? Any thought that's inconsistent with what God's word says, but not just about, what, about life and the world, but what God says about you. God has much to say about you in his word. So any thought that's coming into your mind that is inconsistent with what God says about you, you gotta capture it and you gotta reject it. You have to reject it. So back to 2 Corinthians again, uh, chapter 10, five. He says, we demolish, our, can we go there? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And anything that's not of God, we demolish it. And what do we do? We take captive, what do we take captive? every thought. And what do we do with it? We make it obedient to Christ. Do you know what Paul is saying? You and I have a choice in what we think about. Listen, there are some people, and I've seen it with my own eyes recently, that have no control over what's going on in their minds right now. They, they, have, they have illness, serious illness. I've seen the face of that, and it kills me because they, they struggle even to have, hear what God might say to them because of their illness. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about every other thing you have a choice. Your mind has to listen to you because God didn't just give you a mind. He gave you a will. And you would say, I have no willpower. You do have some willpower. Like my willpower is not great when it comes to food. So like if, if carne guisada and big red go by, I'm going to follow it. Hey, and then I'm going to swallow it. Right? Come on. <laughs> I just feel like rhyming today. Call me Busted Rhymes. And anyways, I, I can't even talk that fast or think that fast. Everybody's like, what's Buster Rhymes? Google, Google Buster Rhymes. Dude's bad to the bone, right? You have a choice. You have a will. So when you're dwelling on fearful thoughts, you have a choice in that moment. Do you follow the trail or do you go, no, wrong trail, going this way. You have a choice when, you, when it comes to your self-defeating thoughts. You have a choice when it comes to your lustful thoughts. You have a choice in the moment. You can capture and reject. So let me give you some examples. So the thought might be, I don't know if God loves me anymore. That's a lie. Reject it. Right? Uh, the thought might be, I know better than God what will make me happy. That's a lie. You don't know better than God. He created you, formed you in your mother's womb, Psalm 139. He wrote every chapter of your book, every verse. He knows what's going to happen. You don't know better than God. You think you do? It's a lie. It's a stronghold. Come on. Uh, like, I can never forgive myself. That's a lie. That's a stronghold. I'll never amount to anything. That's a stronghold. If something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen to me, right? Come on. Doom, gloom, and all that mess, right? That's a stronghold. It's a lie that you're believing. I'll always live with debt. I'll never be able to handle money. My parents couldn't. I can't. My grandparents couldn't. That's a lie. That's a stronghold. My marriage is long gone. It's never going to be saved. It can't be salvaged. That's a lie. There's always hope. This is the anthem of hope. There is always hope, somebody. Always. But anything that I believe that's a lie 
will become a spiritual stronghold in my life. You have to reject it and tear it down. So here's the thing. Behind every sin that you commit is a lie that you believed. Do, do you remember Genesis' story that Eve believed a lie that, the, that Satan told her, that the enemy told her, and she sinned, right? Because she believed a lie. The Bible calls Satan the father of lies. It says that it's his native language. Like if he's saying something to you, it's a lie, but it might be couched in a partial truth. It might be partially true. That's why you gotta read God's word. You gotta get into God's word. But here's the thing. So many times we don't realize that many of the battles that we're facing in our minds are spiritual battles. Because see, like I grew up in a, in, in a realm where everything was spiritual. It's like, hey, I tripped and stubbed my toe. Must have been the devil. Must have been the devil. No, you're clumsy and you stepped on the curb wrong, right? Oh, I got a ticket. Man, the enemy's fighting me. No, you were speeding. You were just speeding. You, like everything was the devil, everything was spiritual. And so sometimes, like I grew up in that and I was like, man, that's crazy. And sometimes you can drift out of that and go, nothing is spiritual. Both are extremes and both of them are wrong. There's a lot of spiritual things. And here's the thing about spiritual battles. A lot of times spiritual battles will pr produce or create physical issues like worry, like fear, like anxiety, like low level depressions. And you think, I just need more medicine. I just need more rest. I just need this. No, no, you're fighting a spiritual battle and you don't fight it with, with weapons of this world. You fight it with mighty divine power that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. The stronghold has to get destroyed. Thirdly, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta recognize the wrong thoughts. You gotta reject them. And thirdly, you gotta replace the wrong thoughts. So, so neuroscience tells us this is relatively new, that we have something called neural pathways, that they're, they're these well-worn paths that we have in our minds. So like, here's an example. You get on the road and you just start driving mindlessly and then you, you wake up and you're at work, but it's Saturday. You ever do this? Or you're just like, oh, I was supposed to take that exit back there. But you usually don't take that exit, but your brain says, we just keep going. That's, that's, a neural, that's, that's just a, a casual explanation. There's a neural pathway, pathway. And we used to be taught that we had neuroplasticity only when we were kids, meaning we could change the way our brain worked only when we were kids. But now, now they're telling us, you can, as long as you're breathing, you can change those well-worn pathways in your life. In other words, you don't have to get stuck with, with mental constraints. So limiting beliefs, I can't, I'll never be, I'll always be, the limiting beliefs are mental constraints and then we end up using limiting language. And the longer we have limiting language and limiting beliefs, they become self-fulfilling prophecies. We just go down the pathway, oh, this is what they told me, I'm dumb. I'm not good enough, I'm not fast enough, I'm clumsy, I'm lazy, I'm, gonna, I'm too skinny, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too fat, whatever it is, and we just go down, oh, that's what I am. And we gotta replace that. And we replace it by renewing our minds, but we do more than that, we begin to replace it with the words that we speak, because here's what Proverbs 18 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. That means, listen, that means that the words that you speak to yourself, the words that you speak about yourself, the words that you speak to other people have a little life in them or a little death in them. And again, some of us know that because things that were said to us as children had a little death in them 
and they've shaped our lives because of this truth. Let me give you an example. Not everybody will relate to this, but some of you will. This is, this is an example from my own life. You ever be praying about something that's on your mind that you're worried about, right? You're like going, you come into the church or you pray, you go to your prayer room, whatever you use, wherever you pray, and you're like, God, man, I'm hurting, I'm struggling in this area, or there's this thing that, I'm, that I need you to help me with. But you pray about it long enough and you start to have faith rise. God, I believe you can. God, I believe you will, God. And, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, come on, God, I know you will. And you're like, yeah. And you walk out and you're like, yeah. And then you go and you get on the phone, you start talking to your friend, man, man, you know, I, you know, I'm talking about this thing, and, and I'm praying, I'm praying about it, but man, I don't, I don't know if, if that God can do that. I don't know if God can change. I don't know if, if this person can change. I don't know if I can. Like, I'm sick, man. I don't know if I can get well. And so what happened was you walked into the prayer gathering by yourself, and you walked in in fear and doubt, but you, you prayed, and your faith rose, and you, and you said words to God, and God responded to your words, and he gave you faith. You walk out, and you disagree with what you just said to God, that you just agreed with God for I don't know. Listen, here's what I'm learning. The words I'm praying in faith to God need to agree with the words that I also speak to other people. Listen, it goes beyond that. The words that I'm playing in my head, my, in my inner dialogue, need to agree with what God says, what, God is work, what God's word says, and it needs to match up, it needs to agree with what I'm praying to God because if I disagree with what I just prayed to God, then God's not gonna hear, God's not, he's gonna hear, but he might not answer. It's like, which one is it? Do you believe or you don't? Like faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if I'm saying, God, I believe, that's faith, and the moment I go out and go, I'm not sure, now it's not faith. You see what I'm saying? You can't have it both ways. So let me give you an example of how I would do this. So l l let me use a believer again. So, so say I'm a believer and I believe in Jesus and I believe he died for me and I believe he paid the price for my sins, but then I sin, right? I sin and it's a sin that I've, I've sinned over and over again throughout my life, right? And I just keep doing the same thing and so I'm just like, I'm not even gonna ask God to forgive me again because I'm feeling, and, and, and I don't pray, I don't ask God to forgive, even though he already has, come on somebody, he already has, but, but I, I'm letting the, the, the chatterbox, the enemy speak to me and I'm like, I'm feeling condemned and like maybe God won't forgive me or God just is like, forget you man, I'm never gonna do that again. And that's something that starts working in my head and then I start to think, well, what if God won't forgive me? What if this is the way I am? And the enemy then comes in, comes in and he starts working me over with shame and with guilt and they set in on me and they weigh me down and they make me fearful they make me anxious and I'm like I don't know if God what if God can't forgive me and that's a lie because then I remember Romans 8 where it says therefore there is now Come on, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So the, the what if is, what if God won't forgive me? But the what is truth is Romans 8 and now my de declaration is I am fully forgiven and I am free from all shame and, and, and condemnation. 
I am, I am fully forgiven and I'm free from all shame and condemnation. What if God won't forgive you? What if you're too far gone? No, 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 no. Here's the truth. I'm fully forgiven and I'm free from all shame and condemnation. Man, man, I've messed up so many times. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm no good. You know, what if this is the, my lot in life? What if I'll never amount to anything? But then you go back to Psalm 139 verse 14 where I praise you, Lord, because I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. The, the enemy says, you're worthless, you're not good, you'll never turn anything. No, 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 I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. And here's what happens. You've had a script written over your life because you've made mistakes or something's happened bad to you in your life. Somebody did something to you and there's a script that says, you are damaged good, and you are not smart, and you are not worth anything, and you are a failure at this, and you are a failure at that, and it becomes a script, but it's a lie. And so I take God's word, and I, and I retrain my mind to not think those old paths, those old truths about me. They were true about me then, but they are no longer true because I'm a new creation in Christ. And, and, and the word of God can rewrite the script the word of God can renew my mind so that even though there are these well-worn pathways, God can make a new pathway. He says, I'm making new pathways in the wilderness. They, they, they look crooked, they look crazy, but, but listen, I'm making a new thing. I'm doing a new thing in your life. And you let God's word write a new script over your heart and over your life. You retrain your mind to think these new and better thoughts. But here's the crazy thing. In order to get there, because right now it sounds like, oh, Danny, you're saying positive thinking, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. This is not positive thinking. This is not the power of positive thinking. There is power in that, but this is much, much more than that. This is spiritual warfare. And if I'm going to win spiritual warfare, I do it on my knees. I submit so, so James says, James, who's the little brother of Jesus, he says, but this is James 4, verse 6, but he gives us, say it with me, more grace. I don't, I don't know if there's grace enough. There's no such thing. Because in Acts, Paul says, he, heard, he hears from the Lord, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Do you know what sufficient means? There's always going to be enough. There's no end to the depths of the well of God's grace. There, it, it, is a, it, is a, it is made new. His mercies made new every morning. So he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud. See, here's the thing about pride is it's deceptive because I can use self-deprecating language like, ah, oh, man, that's just the way I am. I'll never change. I'll never. No, no, no. That's actually a form of pride. That's like saying, it's all about me, when God's like, no, 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 it's not about you, it's, it's about me and you. He opposes that line of thinking, but he gives, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How do I know if I'm humble? Here's how you know, submit yourselves then to God, but don't just stop there. Resist the devil and he will what? He will flee from you because that's the enemy of your, of your mind. You're no good. You're no worthless. God, I submit my ways to you. 
God, I'm sorry. I, God, I know I've been fighting this battle. I've been trying to do this in my own strength. I've been trying to do this own will, but I, I, I'm going to stop. I submit to you, and I resist that word that's been spoken over me. I rewrite my story, rewrite the text, the script over me, my life. I resist him in the name of Jesus, and he has no choice but to flee from you. And then he says, listen, let's back it up. Then he says, come near to God. So there's a you part. You see this? Everywhere, there's a you part. Come near to God. So, so in other words, here's what, God, what, 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 what Paul is saying, or James is saying, take a step towards God. God, I can't do this on my own. Take one step towards God. Guess what God will do? He'll take all the rest of the steps towards you. He'll come near to you. Like, he may be, feel far away from you, but he's not far away from you at all. You take one step, he will come near to you. But, but there's a you part again. Wash your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you. Look, look, you double what? See what I'm saying? Sound mind, whole mind, rational mind. But the Bible says that in the last days, people are gonna be thrown around, tossed around by every wind of doctrine, every little thing, gonna just wishy-washy in, out, believe Jesus, don't believe Jesus, trust Jesus, don't trust Jesus. Stop it, he says. Go, please, go back, go back. See, here's the thing about, by, by the way, we're gonna go through, through the book of James all the way through June, all the way through July. We're just gonna go right through James. James is, is the brother of Jesus, right? He's the half-brother of Jesus, and maybe... He's strong, man. He doesn't play games. He doesn't like, like mince words. Like maybe it was because he's bitter because he saw Jesus get all the praise and all the glory, all the honor. Like he walked on water, raised people. And he's like, what do I got? I, I got a magic trick, right? You know, but I don't know if he's bitter, but he doesn't play games. So he's saying there's a you part and then there's a God part. You do you but you trust God, you submit to God, you surrender to God. You don't say it's my way or the highway, God. I, I'll, I'll take part of you or, or, or a little. No, no, it's all or nothing. You go all in. And, and look what happens. He gives you more grace so that no matter how big the mess that you think you've made is, there's grace enough. And then Colossians 1, I'm sorry, I'm, I know it's late. Paul says, to this end, who labors? I do. See, there's some you. To this end, I labor, struggling with all, here's the his, struggling with all whose? His energy. So you can't say, well, if I just tried harder, I, I, I would stop doing this. If I could just work better, if I could just work harder, I, you know, if I could just get on the good works plan. No, 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 no. There is, there's a me part. I got to struggle. I got to labor, but I'm, I'm struggling with all of his energy, which, by the way, so powerfully works where? So the weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of this world, but they, they, they are divine. It's, the, the word is dunamis. There's, it's like dynamite power that is at work inside of you, inside of me, if you're a believer. And see, the thing is, is I got to tap into that. It's not about me alone, and it's not about God alone. It's about us working together in the outworking of my life. This is how my mind gets renewed. This is how my spirit man grows. This is how my emotions are healed. It's God, Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
It's Christ in me. I am crucified with Christ so that it's no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. And then, then whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Do you believe that? Come on, do you believe that? I did not give you a speech. I'm not trying to come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, Paul said. I'm coming to you with God's word and with the power of the Holy Spirit and it's his power and it's his spirit at work in you that will change, will transform your life, will take off that ugly feeling, that heaviness. He can take it off of you. He can give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He can give you beauty for the ashes that, that, that life feels like it's brought you. He, only he can do that, but you gotta take a step. You gotta draw near and then he'll do the rest. Come on, somebody, you believe that? He'll come, he'll come, he'll do it. So, Lord, I'm praying for these folks. God, I'm praying for me. I'm praying for these people who are watching, who are listening online, who are here in this room. God, my prayer this week has just been, God, please, and this is the promise of Scripture, don't let your word return void. And your word will never return void, but whether it makes an impact in in my life is up to me to open my heart, to open my hands, to open my mind. And God, that's what I've been praying, that our minds would be open, that we would take hold of the truth of your word, God. That we would take hold of the truth of your word, that we would submit, that we would surrender. And some of us have never bowed the knee to you, God. We've never sort of confessed you as Lord, we've never believed in our heart that you, were, that you died, but that you rose again. And Lord, some of us just need to start right there. That I win this fight, I, I win this battle by, by getting on my knees, God. Surrendering, surrendering. I open up my heart to you. That's the song we sang. I open up my, my heart to you, oh God. God, fill me now. Take hold of my life. God, give me the courage. God, give me the strength. Let me understand the love of God. Let me access the power of God. Give me a whole mind. Give me a sound mind. God, I pray that we would take hold of the truth of your word, Lord Jesus. Let it be established in us. Let us be rooted and grounded like a tree planted by the rivers of water. God, let us find our roots deep. God, in the soil that is you of prayer and of your word, I pray. God, establish us, I pray, that we're not double-minded, that we're not tossed around, that we're not wishy-washy. God, purify our hearts. Wash us, I pray. In Jesus' name, strengthen us, I pray. Everybody said a big old amen. Amen. Hey, come on, y'all. Let's give God a big old praise, would you? Amen, amen, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.